This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, Dave here. Just letting you know that our book, Highs, Lows and Decanios, is now available at a knockdown price of just 10 quid. Myself, X and Sid Lambert relive the roller coaster ride of being a West Ham fan in the 90s. Whether it's Bonds or Boogers, Radichoyu or Redknapp, Stuart Slater or the one and only Samasia Boo, it's all in there. Plus we've got four words from Hammers Heroes, Julian Dix and Tony Cotty. So if you want to give yourself or a West Ham fan you know the gift of nostalgia, go to thewesthamway.com forward slash shop and get your copy of Highs, Lows and Decanios for just 10 quid today. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. A disappointing result at home to Bristol City brings an unwelcome replay at Ashton Gate. We talk about that game, injury worries, the stick the Barmer is getting, a lack of opportunities for academy players, Zuma concerns, and Danny Ings before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. couldn't make the game yesterday it wasn't on telly I couldn't find a decent stream and I feel like the luckiest man on the planet because uh, from what I'm hearing and from what I have seen it wasn't good X you were there give us your thoughts mate yeah I think I think you're right in your assumption there I mean it was probably slightly better than Brighton but then obviously the standard of opposition is a lot less than the Brighton game um there was periods mainly when Pakatar was on the pitch, which was obviously only the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. So first 15 minutes of the game, we looked really good. Obviously got the goal in that time as well and thought we started well and I thought we would go on to win comfortably. You know, Fornell's missed a chance which he really should be scoring. And... um yeah, I thought we would go on to win comfortably, but as is the case with West Ham, they had a lot of fans there, which generated a good atmosphere for them mm. and created a lot of passion for their players. And they got a goal against the run of play, again, a set piece that we played backwards rather than forwards. Mm. And um, they counter-attacked. Zuma hasn't got the legs to keep up these players, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, then we didn't. Then we had um, made the subs. 
got Divine. Obviously, Divine came on for Pakistan early on, and then he had Ings on as well. And unfortunately, neither of those two at the moment look like they're going to score. So it's a it's a really yeah really frustrating result. It's a replay which we really could have done without. You know what I mean? Good for the players, particularly with the African nations and the and the injuries that we've got to not have that that pressure of a replay at Bristol City which is going to be tough I mean you see how up for it their fans were in that game they're going to be even more at home and create a tough atmosphere it's a game we could have done without so all in all you know we didn't lose but it's still it's still a disappointing result unfortunately Mm. Well, we started well, didn't we? I mean, a brilliant ball from Paqueta, as always. Mm. I mean, his assists and his quality on the ball is just absolutely incredible at times. Matched by a brilliant run from Jared Bowen, proving that he can do a good job up front. That run was was typical of a, a, an informed striker and a great finish. But it just seemed to fall apart when Paqueta got injured, didn't it? Just highlighting his importance again. I mean, do you think he should have played or do you think he should have been rested? Because Moises come out and said that he did train the day before and everyone was comfortable that he could play. And I know it's the benefit of hindsight, but should he have played? Well, with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what I said beforehand when I heard the team, I wouldn't have played him. I think he is, he's too big a player to risk, and you would like to think that whoever had came in in his place, whether that had been Mabama up front and, and Bowen on the right and someone else on the left, or you put Ben Rama in or you put Cornet or whoever, ahead of um, Paxar, we would have been able to go on and get the result. Well, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, obviously we didn't. We drew once we'd, once he'd gone off um so maybe he was right to try and play him because it showed that we needed him but he's so important to us I, w- I wouldn't have risked him personally I-, I would have actually as I said I would have even given Cornet a start on that left wing just to see see what he can do and kept it the same with Bowen and um sort of because actually Pakistan started up front for the start of it so if you could do you could do that with Cornet you could alternate though him and that left wing and I would have kept it the same or I might have given you know some and I also go like um, maybe put more Prowse further forward and maybe put um, no Connor Coventry in there or Lewis Orford or someone but I, I wouldn't personally have risked Pakatar mm. I'll tell you what you talk about Zuma there not having the legs and I think he was out of position for the goal as well uh, do you know what? I think we find ourselves in a crazy situation now because not long ago we were talking about how content we were and how happy we were and how excited we were about our centre-half partnerships in Aguerd and Zuma. And now we're talking about potentially Aguerd leaving and whether we should start looking for a replacement from Zuma now, if that's mm-hmm. going to be the case. Because if he's struggling against a, a mid-table championship side, how is he going to consistently perform You know, when he's not getting any younger at Premier League level? I don't think he's got that much long left, to be honest with you, from what I've heard. I mean, I think, obviously, he's played... I think he's still done all right this season. He's played well. You know, I'd still put him in the team in the Premier League to start, but he just can't play regularly. And you have to play a deeper line with him because, like, if you play higher up, then the the, the players can run behind him easier and um, I think I think he he's knee I mean you, I think I, I can't remember what goal it was but there was a goal that the West Ham website showed maybe it must, it must have been before Brighton because it wasn't the Bristol City game it was obviously we didn't score in the Brighton game so it must have been against um, it was a home game so it must have been Manchester United I think off the top of my head um, he um he was he was running to celebrate, but he he can't even run properly. Like you know, his um he, his legs are so his knees are so bad that he he just can't run as a normal defender would. And when they signed him, they um 
they uh, knew that his knees were dodgy. So whilst I think he'll probably still be able to play for the time being, I mean, obviously long term, you've really got to start thinking about um, about how you know how much we can rely on him. Mm. And also, you need stability with your centre halves as well. You know, even if he can be a well beater when he plays, if he's only playing. 50-60% of the season it's not great for that mm. continuity in defence is it which yeah. is again is, is is a concern so you know there's always this talk around getting a striker in but actually if you look at the sort of mid to long term we, we possibly have to talk about two centre halves as well possibly you know so that's not ideal I mean two other injury concerns came from the game X, Dinos and Jared do you want to talk about those injuries now or in your section? I talk about them in my section but um, obviously there's a, a bit of a worry with those because I mean I, I, I think without getting into too much detail Dinos should be fine, but like um, with with Bowen and and Kudos, you know, adult Kudos, Bowen and Pakatar, you know, that's two key players. And with Kudos at the African Nations, you have to look at it in this perspective. Like any team, whether they're West Ham, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, if you lost your three players, we're talking, you know, a Brazilian international, an English international, and a, you know, probably going to be one of the best players of the African nations there. It's like the equivalent, you know, of Liverpool losing when they went for the title, Firmino, Salah, and um, Mane, or Arsenal losing, you know, Saka, Austin Gard and Martinelli or something, you know, it's the, to lose those three players from any team is going to mm. massively affect you. And, you know, mm. again, the people are out, boys have got to go and stuff. But when those three players are out, that's huge. It, it, like, it, I, you can't expect us to be the same team. Um, and so I really, really hope for our sake that neither Pakatar or Bowen are long term because, you know, we've kudos at the African nations and we've seen what those fringe players can do. I would be worried for for our season until they're back because, mm. you know, the front three of, I don't know who it'd be, but let's just say for argument's sake, Ben Rama, Fornells, and Noma Barma, for example, is nowhere near the quality of Boeing, Kudos, and Pakistan. Mm. So we've got to always West Ham fans collectively pray that, uh, that they're not long term. Yeah, I think you're spot on because, you know, you take key players out of any side, you're going to see a difference and we certainly will with them because, you know, they're not just good players, they're superstars for West Ham. So the mm. sooner we can get them all back and fit, the better, that's for sure. One player that is getting a bit of stick at the moment, X, is Mabama, and you have mentioned him, but what did you make of his performance? Yeah, see, I, was gonna, I wasn't sure whether to bring this up in the final section, so there is a question. I'll mention it now, but as we talked about now, let's, let's address it. I didn't think he played well. I don't, I've, I, for those of you that have listened to this show, I've implied numerous times, I'm sure you can back me up, Dave, that he might not be as good yeah. um, as, as people are hyping up to be. It's often the case with West Ham forwards. When they score a load of goals, suddenly they're the next best thing. But if you look at the track record, Martinez, okay, Martinez has actually gone on and had a good career playing for Porto and stuff, but he was one. Elliot Lee, you know, a decent-ish career scoring for Wrexham, but obviously nowhere near Premier League standards. Freddie Sears, you know, they're, they're, throughout our history, there's been numerous strikers that, it, that do it, and it's very different doing it at that level, uh, academy level, at youngster level, than it is in the first team when you're coming up against experience, big, strong, powerful, quick centre-backs. You know, how many of those centre-backs, the, the players that I've mentioned um, in the academy that score those all those goals, then go on to be Premier League centre-backs? Obviously, one or two of them do, but it's not many. Like, there's not many forwards that go on and be Premier League forwards. It's only the exceptional ones. Now, 
I think Obama is young. As you all know, he is young. I don't think it's a fact. I think he's inexperienced because he's played, you know, under 18s. What you've got to remember, he's not even played under 21s that much. He's played under 18s for a lot of his career. Um, he's inexperienced. I think that shows. I think he doesn't make the right decisions at times. I think he doesn't make the right runs at times. But that is the key thing. He's inexperienced and he's one of our own. And the, and the abuse I've seen given to him online again makes me really, really angry and disappointed as a West Ham fan because I agree. I don't think he played well. I've hinted on this podcast. I don't know if he's actually as good as people make out. And yes, that's been me, me being negative, but I'm not going out and tagging Divine Mabama into that. I'm convinced he wouldn't listen to this show. Actually, a few players do listen to the show. I'm really sure he's one that doesn't. And, um, I, you know, I haven't been horrible in my criticism, but it's some of the stuff online that he's been getting, this is one of our own. This is an academy lad. No one played well in that game. You look at the senior figures. If you were to pick out any player that played well in that match, who would you pick? Packetar for 10 minutes, Bowen for, you know, most of it. Like, it, no one played well. Um, and so to call him out when he's a young academy lad that isn't experienced enough and needs to go out on loan and get experience just isn't how I would want our fan base to conduct themselves. You can say, you know, you don't think he played that well, whatever, but the abuse I've seen him get, I mean, come on. I've seen it happen to other academy players as well. If anything, West Ham's known as being a West Ham family and sticking up for our own. The stuff he's got is does not fit with that image at all. And as I say, to reiterate, I didn't think he played well. I think he needs to go out on loan, but no one played well. And to dig him out is, is really harsh, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm pleased you said that because I think it is disgusting. And to be honest with you, and I think this is sign of the times with West Ham social media, it doesn't surprise me to see it. You almost mm. expect it when you log into any social media platform to see that kind of level of dog's abuse of anyone, really. It's just, I don't know what it is. People just feel like they, I don't know, that, 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 who can shout the loudest sometimes, isn't it? Is it attention? Is it genuine anger? Do they just want to be horrible? I, I don't know. I think, it's frustrating. Uh, sh- it's massively frustrating, man. I think it's a, you know, without me to sound like a couple of old men here having a moaning about the youth of today or whatever, but I think it's, I think it's generational in that there's just no patience of anything, you know, like, yeah. as I've said before, you know, you, you want to watch your, your favorite program, you stick Netflix on or Sky or Disney Channel or whatever it might be. And you, as a kid, you find that program, you want to get a computer game, um, that day, you download it, you want to, um, you know, you want to speak to your friends you text them you know they don't have to wait for anything anymore like it's all instant 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 and you know you want coverage of West Ham you go on the internet you go on Sky you go on radio you can find coverage 24-7 when we were kids you know you were hoping that West Ham would feature on you know 312 on CFAX like you know three lines or whatever you know you'd be yeah, hopeful for yeah. and, um, and you know that's why you're not racking up a fortune calling that club call service and yeah. you know <laughs> and, uh, people abuse us five pounds <laughs> for a month that was five pounds a minute you didn't, you know, I think it was a second it seemed at the time but um, before you'd yeah. even heard anything um, so so yeah and I just think it's just a real lack of patience obviously an academy player you even look at Declan Rice you know when Declan Rice first came into the West Ham team you know he was okay he showed potential but he was at fault for a couple of goals Newcastle away I seem to remember I think it was Arsenal away maybe Liverpool he got subbed off at half time and, and again it happened then I can remember it because as, as people that listen to the show know I know Declan I remember how much it used to affect him he's so I can't believe I'm getting this abuse I'm only like 17, 18 
18, I'm still learning, you know, and, and he used to say that. And so it does affect them. They do read social media because they're of that generation. And I just think there's just a lack of patience. Of course, these players are not going to come in and be well beaters instantly because they don't have the experience and even the physicality to do that. So to then write them off after such a short period of time is just wrong. And I, and I feel for those academy lads, if they think that that's what's going to happen, if they get in the first team, the minute they don't have a good game, they're suddenly terrible. And it's the same accounts that do it as well, that do it for, you know, reactions and stuff. But it's just, and that's why they won't have relationships with some of the players that other accounts do because they destroy players rather than try and support them. And I just think it's it's sad, really, that, that that's what he would have had to have seen the next day. He even seemed to post something I saw almost in response to it, like, you know, people can knock me, but I'll come back stronger type thing. I think I saw that. And I just think, why is he having to do that? And yes, as I say, I'm not convinced he's the answer for West Ham's striking problem. But I'm not going to post that all over social media and take him into it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And do you know what? I mean, I think we could be, t- you know, potentially talking about a different podcast now because you could talk about this subject for, for ages. But you talk mm. about the issue in society uh, in the here and now. And you look at kids of a certain age and you know, they've got no respect for teachers anymore in schools. They've got no respect for the police. They run right at home. And I just think ultimately that leads to disrespect for other people. Yeah. And that then trips over to social media. And the bigger problem that we've got as, as West Ham fans is that how are players like Mabama or, or anyone actually, not even at just academy level, going to build an affiliation with West Ham mm. and commit their future mm. to West Ham and have a relationship with the fans when they're just mm. going to get berated. If, if anything, you're going to create resentment. And exactly. then if they are being su- uh, successful at West Ham and their agents are knocking at the door, talking about another club that's potentially interested, where's the loyalty going to be when they're exactly. getting slated for having the odd bad game? So these people also don't look at the bigger picture of what no. the knock-on effect actually is. Exactly, mate. I think that's a very good point. And then you think about it as well. If you were a parent of one of those academy players, yeah, and you're, like even if you're a big West Ham fan and you're a parent, right, of mm. a player that plays the West Ham's academy, if your son gets into that West Ham team or close to it and people give him shit after the first game, you're going to lose your affiliation to the club as well. And it will make, it will make people not want to join West Ham's academy. And the other thing, a lot of the people that were giving this abuse out are the people that don't like David Moyes, right? I could see a correlation. I mean, of course, it's not it's not exactly the same people every time, but there was a, I think there is some sort of correlation, right? Quite negative, quite vocal about it. And when I was looking at the accounts, I could see um, that we're doing this about Mabama. A lot of them had done the same about Moyes. And I'm not saying it's everyone, because I don't know, I mean, people screaming at the podcast, saying, I didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. So I was just saying, the, a small little sample that I did, um, what that does is, though, that plays into Moyes' hands because all, one of the biggest criticisms, and it's the, my biggest criticism of David Moyes, is that he doesn't trust Academy enough, he doesn't give them their chances, he doesn't, um, you know, bring them in here and there when he could. He can turn around and say, well, you, you wanted me to play Mabama, and now look, you're saying how rubbish he was, so I told you, that's why I don't play them. So you're playing into his hands as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mm, yeah, I think that's a very good point. I mean, out of interest, one player that is on, on everyone's lips when it comes to academy football because he's absolutely smashing it, consistently smashing it, is Callum Marshall. Mm. Out of interest, why is he not getting opportunities but Mabama is? Because they're the same age. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, mate, it's purely down to physicalness. I think, if I'm honest with you, Callum is technically better. Um, he, you know, he's, he is more all round. You know, he, he's, can get on the ball. He gets assists. He's a good finisher. Um, you know, he's already proven that he's played for Northern Ireland. And if it weren't for VAR, he would have scored in his debut for them. Um, I think Callum is, te- and I think within West Ham circles as well, at that level, people do believe that Callum is the better player but what Divine's got is his physicalness you know he's he's tall he's powerful he's quick and at the moment that means he's more effective in the Premier League than Callum now hopefully Callum will develop more physically and I think he has I I was speaking to someone in the academy I went to Little Heath on Saturday to watch the 16s and 18s and do a bit of work and stuff and I I spoke to a few people and they said that you know Callum is developing physically and stuff but I think at that age it makes a big difference I I was I um did, did I, I don't want to say too much, but I, I did this study on players and late developing, and it's a huge thing. When you look at Declan Rice and particularly Harry Kane, you know, at the age of like 22, <coughs> 23, they was having loan spells maybe younger and like Leighton Orient Millwall I think he was at Norwich not really doing that well I mean doing okay but not really doing that well and no one thought he would go on to be the striker he was because he wasn't physically developed enough at that age to be a forward and then by the age of about I don't know 19, 20, 21 he'd started to grow grow, grow and then physically grow into his body as such so he wasn't like a tall gangly lad he was also strong and built and stuff and the minute he got that physical side to him look what happened you know, England's all-time scorer, Spurs' is all-time scorer, not far up in the Premier League's all-time scorer, banging it in in Germany for Bayern Munich. So I think that is a factor. I mean, it's, it's these different physical developments at that age, but Callum Marshall's a very, very good player, and there's no no surprise that there's a lot of clubs interested in loaning him, and West Ham are determined to get him down on a new deal as well. Yeah, and so we should be, because like you say, he's absolutely smashing it. The one thing that makes me nervous about these academy players, because there is so much excitement around them, and there's a group they're performing and they're being successful, and you'd like to think they're knocking on the door of the first team. What makes me nervous is uh, I think we run the risk of either not giving them first-team opportunities or sending them out to stupid loans that don't make sense. We can't ever seem to get the right balance. You know, when was the last time we successfully loaned someone out to a club where it made sense, where they enjoyed their football, where they played week in, week out, um, and it made them a better player to come back to West Ham? The, the loan deals that we tend to agree 
more often than not don't seem to work out. Or if they do, with the likes of Connor Coventry or whatever, it's almost like we look at it and say, well, well done, Connor, but that was a much lower league standard than Premier League. So actually it hasn't achieved that much. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Connor's gone away on loan at times and, and he's, he's absolutely smashed it. But how many opportunities has he had on the back of it? So th- th- there seems to be fundamentally something wrong in terms of the strategy that we have for these players. And it just makes me nervous that... For the first time in a long time, we're going to lose genuinely good players that could become Premier League players mm-hmm. because we haven't managed them in the right way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and that's the, that's the sort of the, the, the problem I've got with Moyes is that it's a, I, mean, I get it's a difficult balancing act, and I get the fact that when you look at academy players that have been let go throughout the years, very, very rarely have they got on to be a top Premier League player. True. But True. and so I do get that that's argument to it. But I, as you said, we've obviously got the great, the best talented bunch we've had for a long while because the yeah. proof is in the pudding. They've won the the cup, they've won the league. A lot of them play for England. England or, or their national teams, so it, it is a, it is a um, it is a hope that this is the best group. I mean, I think I know what ones Moyes particularly likes um, out of the academy, and it might surprise some uh, who he likes and who he doesn't. Again, a lot of that is based around physicalness. You know, I think that he Moyes often looks and thinks, well, he's not strong enough, he's not tall enough. It's a big factor in Moyes's selection criteria, um, and I think I've got wind of who who he likes and who he doesn't. And so which ones are most likely to and they're not. But on that respect, though, that means that there are probably two or three that maybe would have got their chance at other clubs that aren't going to get their chance with us and will have to move on. And as you say, Conor Coventry is the perfect example. I don't know what more he could have done. He's Ireland. Mm. Under 21's most cats player, he's um, he's gone on various loans. They've not all been completely successful, but his last spell no. was at Rotherham, and you know he kept them up, um, which was the objective he was given. He signed, and by most people's accounts, he he played well there. You know mm. he he came in in pre-season, was told he would get games in the cup for West Ham, and he's I don't think he's been on the pitch for a minute. This season and and he's likely to go in this window. And he's twenty three, and he kind of thinks to himself like, has he wasted his career? You know, twenty three is mm. not young anymore. You know, mm. I mean, we obviously got paid a decent money for it, but you, you do feel sorry for them because there just doesn't seem to be a way for them to break through. And you look at Liverpool, for example. You know, Liverpool played their cup game um, as a as um, against Arsenal. They won two 0 They were convincing um, that he. Um, the convincing in that game, I think. I mean, I didn't watch it, but from what I heard, it sounded like they they played well, and they were able. I'm just trying to load their team up now. They were able to blood again a couple of youngsters and get them some experience. Jarrell Kwanzaa, uh, centre backs, obviously a youngster, um, and then they had a couple on the bench, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, Luke Chambers, Connor Bradley, Bobby Clark, Ty Maurice Nione, James McConnell. Katie Gordon. I mean, I've never even heard of half these players, and they, they were on Liverpool's bench. You know, so if Liverpool can mm. do it, then mm. you'd like to think that we could. And we've got some talented players there. I mean, as you said, you mentioned Callum Marshall, you know, he's a Northern Ireland international already. You've got yeah. Patrick Kelly, he's a Northern Ireland under 21 international. You've got Lewis Orford, who's represented the under 17s, under 18s, and has a number of top clubs interested in his service. George Earth, he's represented England at those levels. Finn Henrik in goals represented West Ham at those levels. Uh, sorry, England at those levels. Then you've got Ollie Skulls, who proved himself the one time he's got in a team. Caden Casey's meant to be very, very good as well. Um, you know, your Ryan Bartram offers good versatility as well. So there's players throughout that squad 
mm. that K- mm. Gideon could do her that could come in and at least have a go. But yeah, you got to worry whether they will get their chance or not at West Ham, and, and even more so if the fans are going to give them, you know, eighty minutes or whatever it was to to establish whether they're a Premier League player or not for the rest of their career. Exactly. It's too much pressure. I mean, look, what mm. difference it would have made against Bristol City, I don't know. But were you surprised that more academy players weren't involved, even on the bench? I mean, yeah. they, they didn't even make substitutes. I mean, I, I don't know what better opportunity that would have been. I mean, was that an opportunity missed to, to at least give one or two a run out? I think so. I mean, what I would have done is I would have probably had Marshall on the bench. I would have probably had Oddie Skulls on the bench, Caden Casey, Lewis Orford, and maybe Georgia uh, Feet. So that's, well, I can't remember how many I've said. That's five, I think I've said there. And then the rest, well, you've got nine subs, haven't you? The, the other four be experienced players. And then, you know, in a game like that, let's just say, I don't know, Emerson went off. You're much better bringing on Oliver Skulls than Cresswell who's at the end of his career. Yeah. We know what he's got. We know what he offers. You're much better putting on Oliver on in that situation. The same with Lewis Orford. You know, you're much better putting him on in central midfield than, than I don't know, bringing on Ben Rama and putting Fournells there or something like that, just because it gives them a chance. And, you know, I just I think we've got to really think about the, what we're doing with these lads. I'm not saying stick them all in, and I'm not saying they you know, they should be in the first team. And obviously, there's the argument people will say, well, they played Obama and he wasn't good enough. I think that's harsh, given the fact that you know the whole team played badly. But I think certainly getting them experience on the bench is the way forward. I mean, you often see the players that. Young that break through into first teams start off on the bench and then gradually make their way into the first team. And I think we need to start doing that as opposed to having the likes of, you know, Cresswell and, and I love it. I love Aaron Cresswell, but him and even Cornet, if you're not going to play Cornet, you're better off sticking a young academy player on the bench to get match experience and just sit there than Cornet and just sit there. You know, it doesn't make a difference then, does it? (laughs) It's very true. Very true. I mean, talking of opportunities, a good one fell to Danny Ings that could have made a difference in that game. Mm. When you think of Danny, do you feel sorry for him in any way or do you just think he's nicking a living off of West Ham? I feel sorry for him. I mean, of course, you feel sorry for someone that's earning 125 grand a week for doing nothing. It does get a bit hard, but I do feel sorry for him because apparently he's a good lad. Uh, apparently he want, he's gutted with how it's gone for him at West Ham. He obviously doesn't want to miss chances like the one he does. He didn't deliberately miss that chance. And as a forward, his reputation, you know, he had a decent reputation at Premier League. I was, I'm going to be honest, I was excited when we signed him. And I'm a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. Played for Liverpool, played for England, you know, Aston Villa. I thought it was a good signing. Um, but for whatever reason it is, he, he's not performed and I feel I do feel sorry for him because he didn't want to miss those chances and it's frustrating and I must admit when he did miss that chance I probably didn't say too many complimentary things but it, it is really really frustrating I don't think he means to do it and I do feel for him but as a fan it is massively frustrating that you've got a player earning that wage that, that misses chances like that I mean I actually thought dare I say it Aside from that ridiculous miss, he actually played quite well. I thought he linked the play quite well, but obviously you're you're a forward and you paid that much money, you've got to score those chances. Mm, yeah, you have, and you've got to take that chance for sure. 
Um, you know, it's funny. You know when you lose something like a, a door key, a piece of jewellery or earphones or something like that, and then six to 12 months later, it, it turns up. And you're like, fucking hell, I forgot I had that. I think that's how every West Ham fan felt when Maxwell Cornet come on at the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like like everyone else, he didn't set the world on fire. But do you think there's light at the end of the tunnel for him with that inclusion? Not really, no, unfortunately, no. because I mean, it was such almost like a token gesture, wasn't it? I mean, mm. if he came on, if he came on for um, Pakatar, um, then I would have maybe fought it. But the fact that he wanted to stick Mabama on instead of him, I just, I don't think he's got much of a future here. And by what I can gather, I'm not sure Moyes was overly keen on signing him when they did sign him. As I keep hinting, he was a real sort house player. Danny Ings, I'm not sure, was overly Moyes' signing either. I think that was a gift. So when you look at it like this, this is the pit that you've got to feel a little bit sorry for David Moyes because the two players, I mean, Corday's not necessarily had the chance, but Ings, you know, it wasn't a Moyes signing. You know, people can try and tell you otherwise and spin the narrative, but I've spoken to enough people that know that Moyes didn't, wasn't, wasn't keen on that idea and didn't really sanction it. Um, and Cornet, I think he was okay with it. But again, I don't think it was his player. And they're the two players at the moment. You think, wow, like, you know, what's happening to them? Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, David Moyes gets stick for him. Actually, it's not entirely his fault. But yeah, I think Cornet is a, a difficult one. I would have given him more time by now. As I said, I would have started him instead of Paqueta, um at the weekend. But... You know how much he might get a few games now with the injuries we've got, and maybe that'll be his chance to save his career. But you think by word, when you look at money wasted, and you look at Ings and Cornet, and the combined wages and transfer fee, you think, my gosh, you know, back in the back a couple of years ago, that could have bought you four or five decent players. Mm, yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? Not to mention yeah. the wages. I mean, it's uh, yeah, exactly. it's an unbelievable amount of money. Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of us demanded that David Moyes played a strong side. He did do that. So how much blame should the players be taking versus how we set up and approach the game against Bristol City? Because again, like I say, I haven't seen the full game. I I wasn't there. I've only had the benefit of some highlights. Were we quite cautious against the mid-table championship side when we shouldn't have been? Well, we started, he scored within four minutes. So he yeah. obviously started quite attacking. And, and as you said, he put a strong, the strongest team available out, I think. So he took it seriously. He also gave the players a week off if they was to win that game. Um, so he gave them all the incentive to win it. And we started off, we got the goal and it was fine. And then I think. Bristol City were quite rough. And this sounds like a bit of a stupid excuse, but the, well, the guy on the left wing nailed Shafau a couple of times. There was a couple of other changes. I think the referee let a lot go, which didn't help things. And it almost seemed like, you know, Mavropanos was another one. You know, he got jumped into and then had to go off. And as I say, Shafau got battered a couple of times. And I think the, the ref didn't help us and in the sense that he allowed them to play probably rougher than, it sounds a bit babyish, but rougher than a Premier League team would do. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if that put them off a little bit. And then, I don't know, they just, yeah, like, I don't know if you can blame Moyes, that they just didn't seem to, you know, we had chances. I mean, if Fournau scores that chance where the keeper saves it, when he really should have scored, he's 2 new up going in at half time. I think it would have been a different picture. So you can blame Moyes in the sense that it's his job to motivate the players. Ultimately, the buck stops with him. He's, he sets the team up. He brings the subs on. It's his job to motivate them. But you also can't hide from certain players, you know, missing opportunities in, for nows, etc. And then um 
and just not having the, the desire to see it through. So ultimately, I think it's the players, but of course you can't hide Moyes from any responsibility. Mm. Well, let's hear what David Moyes had to say post-match. Boss, the FA Cup, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a competition that always brings up the unexpected and, and Bristol City have, uh, have forced us to a replay. Yeah, we've been close in a couple of games, uh, so got a replay. We'll go to Bristol in a week's time. What did you make of, of the way the game played out? It was sort of a game that we, we got in, in control of and then Bristol City came back yeah. into it. Look, we, we should have been 2-0 up. We, we, we have a great chance. Pablo has a great chance to make it 2-0. I think we actually have won after that as well. But uh, it looked as if, you know, we, we started the game really well. First 15 minutes, 10-15 minutes. We, I think the injury to Lucas Paqueta getting off was, was something which probably affected the all-round levels after that. Uh, we didn't perform anywhere close to what we'd like, and I was I was hugely disappointed with our performance today. Really, you mentioned the injuries there. Obviously, there, there was a couple of setbacks in the first half. Any any thoughts, especially on Dinos's one? It was a bit unfortunate, wasn't it? The, the challenge. Yeah, that I think the challenge. But hey, it's, it's it's football. You know, you you have to live with it, and that's what happens. So yeah, you've got to deal with it, and you'll pick up injuries. We've been quite fortunate this season, not too many, but today we just felt as if we one or two injuries. Yeah, most positive moment, obviously the goal, and that is. Those two combining again, just showing the quality they've both got. Yeah, it was a it was a good pass and uh, great pass from Lucas, and you know we know what Jared can do in those positions. So uh, yeah, it, it looked like at that time we had a chance to probably you know go and get full control of the game, and we didn't really do that. We didn't go and, and grab it, and uh, we let Bristol City grow into the game, and, and they done that very well. Obviously, they, they did come back into it after half time. You credit the way I mean they changed. It looked like they changed a couple of things and. And just obviously they, they were determined to get back into it. It's football, as you say. Yeah, well, I don't know what they've done, but, uh, but whatever we've done wasn't good enough, I know that. Obviously, we go to Bristol City. It's somewhere that, that you know better than any of us, and it, it's going to be a... going to be a loud yeah. and, and lively evening. Yeah, it will be. It's, uh, you know, when you're, uh, when you're the, the smaller club and you get a replay and you get a, a big side back, uh, it's always a big night, so it'll be a tough night for us, but, you know, they'll be... They'll be the same, you know. They'll know that they're in for a game as well, and uh, hopefully we can. We gave them a good game for for parts of the game, but we missed a, a chance or two right at the end as well. But let's be fair, you know, they Bristol certainly deserved their draw. Well, ex ironically, our next game is the replay at Ashton Gate on the sixteenth of January. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think that's going to be a tough night. Yeah, I think it will be. Uh, I like. Do you know what? This sounds really bad, but. The draw for the Cups tonight, isn't it? So before we play that game, we'll know who we're due to get in the next round, which isn't mm. a scenario that often happens. If we're drawn against, you know, Man City, like the usual teams we get, Man City or Liverpool or whatever, and I'd almost be tempted to just put a fringe team out for that replay if we've got one of those teams. I know that's a defeatist attitude, <coughs> and I know that's not going to win you any trophies, and that's what we ultimately want, but... I would then put the focus on the Europa League and the league because inevitably if we've got Man City or Liverpool, we'll probably go out. And I think this game's tough as it is anyway. Like I think, you know, Bristol City away, any any championship side's tough. And I do think it's important to acknowledge again, you know, the Moyes has got a load of abuse for this result, but how many times in West Ham's history for lesser competition than Bristol City as well? Have we struggled in the third round? You know, I can name Farnborough, Aldershot, Everly, who I think were like below what? even the National League South. Oh, they yeah, almost beat that. us, yeah, in yeah. And that was when we were good, you know, yeah. under Redknapp yeah. and stuff. You know, <laughs> we, we almost saw them. I can remember Wrexham. I can remember Swansea. 
Oh, Torquay before I even started going. You know, it's, it's been throughout our history. So to, to go mad at David Moyes for a, a game where we didn't even lose is like, you know, I know our teams probably weren't as good as they were there, but you, against Averley, certainly they were on par and some of the others they were as well. It, it, it is a tough game to go to Bristol. It really is. And I think... I feel we could lose it. I really do. I, I'm not confident going into that game, particularly if we're missing Pakatar, Bowen, Kudos, and, you know, whoever else. We'll find out soon because the scans are today. But I think it's going to be a tough, tough game. And as I said, if we're then drawn away against some of these tougher opposition, I'd be almost tempted to say, right, let's give the fringe lads a chance, see if we can get through this. Um, but not put too much emphasis on it, which is a real shame because the FA Cup should be massive for West Ham. But in terms of giving us what I think might be give us the most chance of winning something this year, it may be to sacrifice that and to focus purely on the on the league and the Europa League. Mm. We haven't made it easy for ourselves, that's for sure, because I do think that is going to be a tough night with uh, what I expect to be a big atmosphere as well at Ashton Gate. So let's hope we can get through. And like you say, be interested to see how the uh, draw pans out. But it's that time again. Calling all West Ham fans. Are you a patron? of the West Ham way. If not, why not? For the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham way podcast with Dave and X. Over a hundred interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans. Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen. A show with Tony Cotty. The U Irons podcast. The West Ham way USA. A transfer window show with Demis Chef. An expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.